Hi, I'm Liam Garrity, and welcome to Scale by Intercom. Scale is our dedicated content resource on the Inside Intercom blog, where you can find a wealth of materials, including podcasts, of course, that explore how businesses are driving growth through customer relationships. This week, we're delighted to welcome back Shep Hyken. Shep is a customer support expert. He has decades of experience helping companies build loyal relationships with their customers and employees. He's also the author of many books, the latest of which just came out this week. It's called I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. On this episode, Shep shares some of the insights from that book, including the most important measurement in business that leaders should constantly monitor, the difference between a repeat customer and a loyal customer, and Shep delivers what might just be the shortest customer speech in history. It's two words. What are those two words and why are they so important? That's all coming up. It's a really interesting chat, which we hope you'll enjoy. And if you do, we'd love it if you left us a review. It helps us spread the word about our show. Okay, over to the studio. Shep, we're delighted to welcome you back to the show, which gives us a good segue into why you're back. And it's because of your new book, conveniently titled, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. So I I hope you have an Arnie impression ready. I wish if you could see me, I'm wearing dark sunglasses and I look really angry. (laughs) Well, I've seen the promo for the book. The video promo for the book is brilliant. So we'll definitely put that in the links. But Well, thanks. And thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no, no. Delighted to have you. So I, I suppose you've written many books on customer service and customer experience. Where did the idea for this new book come from? Sure. Great question. And yeah, this is number eight and it just came out brand new. Uh, I'll be back. How to get customers to come back again and again. So there's been something that's been bouncing around in my brain for a number of years. And I was working with a client and they said, you know, we love to measure like net promoter score and customer satisfaction. And, And by the way, there's a chapter specifically in this book about the most important measurement. And, and this guy said to me, the most important thing that we measure is our customer's behavior. We love to know if we're doing a good job. And I thought to myself, he's right. Because doing these, you know, uh, customer satisfaction surveys and all that measures history on your most recent experience with us. How did you like it? Would you be willing to, you know, recommend us based on that last experience? All of that is a history lesson. And by the way, very important to have. I'm not saying you shouldn't do this. But what the guy said to me that really struck me, really, I was trying to figure out, how can I articulate this properly? He said, we measure behavior. Now, his business, he is the CEO of a major hair salon franchisor. And I was hired to speak to over a thousand franchisees and their managers. And they, you know, talked about behavior and what they measure is the typical customer behavior. So a typical, you know, then there's different types of customers that they would have. They'd have somebody that has long hair, short hair, curly hair, you know, needs hair to be colored, that kind of thing. So there's (laughs) a different cadence. And they said, what we try to do is we try to make sure that our customers are following what we would consider to be the regular routine repeat customer. If there's a gap, we know what happened. Did they go out of town that week? Did they get sick? Are they going somewhere else? We need to find out. 
And so that's why we need to measure that behavior. And that's really kind of what made me think about this. It's not only do they say they're going to come back, it's do they actually come back? Yeah, for sure. And I suppose, you know, you mentioned there about like customers or how to turn customers into repeat customers and turn repeat customers into loyal customers. And that's something that's in the book. But what's the difference between a repeat customer and a loyal customer? Sure. Great question. And and it ties exactly into the behavior. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're B2B, B2C, any type of business, you know what your customers' behaviors are. If I am selling a piece of equipment to a company and trying to keep them on the maintenance contract and they every year I have to get renewal, well, to me, the, the, the typical behavior of that customer is every year we get the renewal, every other year we replace their equipment or we upgrade their equipment. And yeah. if it's uh, somebody that comes in to get their haircut once a month, it's a monthly interaction. If somebody buys clothes twice a year, you know, we know what the cadence is. Anyway, I, I digress. Repeat business is tied to this idea. What does a repeat customer look like? Now, once we understand that they are a repeat customer, we need to understand why they are a repeat customer. Are they coming back because they like our low prices? And what would happen if a competitor came in and offered a lower price? Are they coming to us because we're just more convenient? What happens if a competitor moves in closer? Or are they coming to us because they love us so much that they would never do business anywhere else. We have great people. We never let them down. The experience is predictable. It's consistent. And the customer says, this is why I like doing business here. They know me. I know what I'm going to get. And there's all kinds of different reasons why customers come back. Now, the latter example is more about loyalty because we not only have a repeat customer, we have somebody that's not going to go to a competitor for other competitive reasons. Or at least they'll give the company they're loyal to a chance to keep that business. And that's very important. But repeat business happens for a number of different ways. One of the other things we talk about in the book is that, you know, you like a loyalty program doesn't necessarily mean a true loyalty program. Most loyalty programs are repeat customer programs. They're marketing programs designed to drive the customer to come back oftentimes with an incentive to do so. If I own a restaurant and I give you a card and says, every time you come in here, I'm going to punch your card five times the six sandwiches free. That's like a 20% discount. If I'm an airline and I'm giving you miles to fly on my airline, the more you fly, the more miles you get, the more free trips you get. I talked to a number of people and I asked them, hey, if, if they took away the miles, if every airline took away their miles and you couldn't get those free trips based on miles anymore, would you continue to fly on that airline? And many times the answer is no. That's unfortunate for the airline. They need to create an experience that is both great on the marketing side as well as great enough on the experiential side that they win the hearts and minds of their customers' loyalty, not just their repeat business. So just on the practical side of things, there's loads of advice in this book about what companies, businesses can do to build a relationship between themselves and their customers. I was wondering, could you give us one or two examples of that? Wow, there's uh, where do we start? <laughs> so here was my goal with the book. People say, wow, it's like you, oh, there's just, it's packed with little pieces of common sense advice and, and thoughts. And the answer that I love to respond with is my goal is that almost any page you would open up to, you can actually start reading from that page 
and you're going to pick up an example or a, an idea, something you can use within that page or the very next page. So tons of ideas, but let's go with some basic foundational. First of all, every book that I write has foundational information. And I talk about managing moments of truth, which came from Jan Carlson. And I wrote about that in my very first book many years ago, almost 30 years ago. That's kind of scary. <laughs> Just over 30 years ago. Wow. And uh, I still write about a chapter in every book about managing the moment of truth and making it a moment of magic. Anything that's a little bit better than average. Avoiding moments of misery. Those are complaints or problems. And also avoiding satisfactory. In other words, mediocrity, just average. I talk about creating customer amazement, which amazement is those are those moments of magic. Again, uh, just a little above average. Sometimes they're way above average. But typically, if you can create a consistent and predictable experience where the customer says, they always get back to me quickly. They're always knowledgeable. They're always so friendly. When you have that word always followed by something positive, that's predictability. And that's one of what drives customers to want to come back. Because they're using that word always. And that that's kind of a, a almost an emotional word when somebody chooses to put that label on you. They're always, and fill in the blank with something positive. You're in that zone of amazement. All right. One of the other chapters that I love that's so foundational, and at the same time, it was fun to write, is I wrote about this concept that started out as the shortest customer service speech in the world. And I was asked to do a speech, I, which is what do I do primarily? I travel around the world. <laughs> you know, other than during COVID, I would travel around the world and do keynote type speeches at different conferences. And one day I was the closing speaker and the guy who hired me said, you've got to end on time. It doesn't matter what time you go up there. If you go on early, you go on late, you end exactly on time. We got to put everybody on a bus and send them to this other venue for whatever they were doing that <laughs> evening. I said, no worries, I'm on it. And <laughs> sure enough, the people in front of me, they went over a little bit, then another person went over. Next thing you know, I'm down to two minutes out of my 40 minutes that wow. I was given. And the client says, well, I guess you're not gonna go on. I go, no, I'm going on. And I have something <laughs> I wanna say. So first thing I said after you know they introduced me and I walk out there, I realize I have less than two minutes. I said, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> We're gonna get out of here on time. How is he gonna do this in two minutes? Well, I have a very short message I wanna give you it is the foundation of customer service and experience. Here it is. Imagine I was just introduced and I didn't do this little introduction just now. I'm going to come out and this is what I'm going to do. You applaud. I'm here in the middle of the stage. Are you ready? Be nice. And then I turn around and I start to walk off stage. Then I stopped. I came back. I said, see, I told you it was pretty simple. Be nice. Now, the way I look at it, I've got about another oh, 40 or 50 seconds left. So let me just finish up my speech by telling you, be nice. It's common sense. It seems like it should always be that way, but unfortunately, it's not always as common as it should be. And it is foundational. You could have the best food at a restaurant. If you're not nice when you serve it, the customer's not coming back. You can have the greatest technology. And I've got news for you. If you treat the customer like dirt, they're going to be looking for someone else to buy technology from. Be nice. It's foundational. I look forward to seeing you next year when I can finish my speech. Thank you very much. But isn't that so like important? And it's just, and, you know, it's being so nice true. doesn't mean all being friendly and giddy and you know, lovey-dovey, but it means treating a customer with respect and appreciation. 
Yeah, I mean, it's something I always remember from working in a supermarket when I was a 16-year-old, you know, and I'd always go out of my way to help someone, you know, and they would be falling over themselves to appreciate it and let my manager know because it just didn't seem to happen, you know, that often, you know, that they really appreciated it. And I think... Like our story here at Intercom is is much the same. You know, we have Intercom's founders. We're hanging out in a cafe here in Dublin and they noticed, you know, the excellent customer relationship the cafe owner had with his customers, you know, through human connection. And then they kind of went off and figured out, you know, a way to do that for online businesses. But like you say, it's it's crucial. Yeah. So what you just said is exactly what the best companies do. They look outside of their industry and they don't just want to be best in their own industry. They want to be best in class. So I'll share with you the last part of the book, which is my favorite part of the book. I mean, I have, I guess it's all great. You know, like which <laughs> child is your favorite child? Well, this one truly is. It's the last chapter. It's titled Where the Rubber Hits the Road. And we can talk about some other things too, but this, your idea of going to the cafe, watching what they did, and then saying, what can we do? How can we get a relationship like that and bring that process into our business online? So here's the idea. There's a six-step process to creating this I'll be back happen process. Of, on I, well, I think I call it the I'll be back something, culture. culture. Well, well, we do talk about culture, but it's how to get your customers safe. So here it goes. Number one, ask yourself the question, why would someone do business with me? It's a simple question, but I want you to get specific. I don't want you to say things like, we've got great service. No, it's more than that. It's, you know, maybe we have a process that's different. Maybe our stores are bigger. Maybe we have better equipment and machinery. I don't know, maybe better educational training for our tech support people. It doesn't matter what it is, but come up with something that's really specific that's different than your competitor. And realize if you don't have anything different, all you are is a commodity and you're at risk of losing a customer to somebody that's even a little bit different than you. Number two, ask why would someone do business with a competitor instead of you? This is really important. Write down all those answers. And number three is something I call keeping pace. What are they doing that you're not doing that you should be doing and you need to modify it so it becomes yours and now you're keeping up with the competition, but don't just copy them. The reason you don't want to is once again, if you do that, you're back into a commodity trap where yeah. you're not differentiated enough. Now comes the fun part, which is what you did. Number four, step four is to get a group of people and look at different businesses outside of your industry and just ask this question. What are your favorite companies to do business with? And why do you love doing business with them? And it could be that cafe that you mentioned. It could be, you know, here in U.S., we get uh, a lot of Amazon answers. You know, oh, I love Amazon. It could be a restaurant. It could be mm. a company that has an inside salesperson. You buy equipment from them and you just love the way this person follows up on such a regular basis and really acts like they care. There's lots of reasons why somebody would want to love these different companies. And then the next question is, are they doing any of these? And by the way, you make a list of these attributes of sure. why you love doing business. Are any of these things that you're not doing that you could be doing? Ah, now we're going outside of our industry and looking for best in class examples. And if there is, I want you to start to implement. So that's step five. And by the way, you have to read between the lines. And I don't yeah. know if what you learned at that cafe that you liked was exactly what you implemented 
in your, your program. But if you think about it, that's how the best ideas get started. And maybe it isn't the exact same, but maybe it's, it was the seed of some type of creativity. So I'll give you an example. A lot of people say Amazon. I go, what do you like about Amazon? This happened in one of our workshops. One of the uh, people that said that, so well, I love that when I order something, I immediately get confirmation. And then when they ship it out, they send another email. And then when it arrives, I get another email saying that it's arrived. And I just love that. And the leader of the company, whoever was there that day, the biggest job in the room might've been the, uh, like a C-suite exec, but it wasn't the CEO, raised his hand and said, well, that's easy for Amazon. They're an e-commerce company. Mm. And it was hard for me to say, you're wrong. I mean, not that they're not, they are an e-commerce <laughs> company, but it's, it's not, you don't understand what's happening here. What is happening is not about email communication. It's about any kind of communication. It's about keeping the customer in the loop. It's about giving the customer confidence in a situation simply because you inform them. That's what this person is saying they love. They don't love getting all these emails in their inbox. They love being informed. And with that, the light bulb goes on and this executive says, I get it. <laughs> so then step five is, you know, obviously what can you implement then that you are learning from these other companies? And step six is ask yourself the same question, my modified Gisele ever so slightly as you did in, in step one. And that is now that I've done this, why would people want to do business with me? And so there you go, that six step process. And that's like an I'll be back process. How you get your customers to say, I'll be back and come back. You've got to create the experience that makes them want to do so. And that's a process that will help make that happen. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode one is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt or die moment. It's inevitable that all businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right? And see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. You know, you mentioned the, you know, the customer wanting to be informed there and you have a whole chapter about self-service in the book and why yeah. you should give customers control if it creates a better experience. And, and self-service, I suppose it's something we sometimes hear people claiming isn't really customer service. So what do you say to that or what do you say to those people? 
Yeah, well, to not provide self-service is a disservice to your customer. Our latest research, and I'm looking for the report. It's on my desk somewhere. Um, (laughs) Oh, there it is. No, 41%. I was right. What a memory. 41% of consumers in America, we did a study of over 1,000 consumers, which is statistically valid, and we, we weighted it to the general population. So you've got baby boomers, you've got Gen Zers, you've got the whole cross section. But 41% choose digital self-service options, such as going to a website to go to a frequently asked question page or knowledge base, if you will, if you want to get technical, to see video tutorials, to be uh, working with interactive systems like a chatbot. They go there first before they pick up the phone. Now, of course, 59% would rather talk to a live customer service agent. But if you look at that 41% number, it's growing year over year over year. You might not see something as big in the last year or so. COVID caused some really interesting things to happen where people just wanted to talk to people. But if you take a look at the last three years and the three years before that, you're going to see this increase. And here's what's happening. Where do you think most people go to get contact information on the company they're doing business with when they need help? They go to the website, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. First place, I'm going to go get the phone number. And while I'm looking for the phone number, you know what I see? Frequently asked questions. Well, maybe that is where I need to get my answer. Guess what they've just done? They've just moved from thinking about using the phone to your knowledge base, or maybe there's video tutorials. I remember getting ready to buy a software program. And one of the questions I asked was, I know you're a really big company. How does it work for a little guy like me who needs support? Do I call? Do I get instant access to somebody? Is it a ticketed system where I have to wait for somebody to get back to me? What is it? And they go, oh, it's better than that. All you need to do is Google the question. How do you do blank with this company software? And uh, I did that. And guess what? I just took a, a random question that I might ask. Up came video tutorials on YouTube, not only created by the company, but also by the customers who are excited about doing business with this company <laughs> enough to share their examples of how they worked around a certain situation or an issue. I mean, that's pretty cool. So digital first, self-service first, whatever you want to call it, it's a really good way to go. I mean, if you go to a grocery store and you see the long lines and the regular checkout areas and all you've got are a half a dozen items, wouldn't you rather go to self-service rather than wait in line? Yeah. That's not a disservice. That's better service that you've given me the option. And by the way, if I have a problem, I can't figure out how to scan the barcode that isn't on my piece of fruit. Right. I just look (laughs) over and there's almost always somebody there to help me out. And that, by the way, is really important. And I emphasize this in the book. There needs to be a very simple, seamless way to get to a human to human support person if you need that. I suppose related to that, in another chapter, you talk about kind of how you can't automate a relationship, yet some companies are still able to create this emotional connection with customers with like little or no person to person contact. How is that possible? Well, once again, think about what Amazon did. The example I gave you a few minutes ago, they're constantly communicating with you and giving you the information and the updates when and as you need them. On the off chance that you are going to need actual human-to-human support, you can get it, but they give you so much information that you can actually work this out on your own. And I do say you can't automate the relationship. And for the most part, that's right. But what the companies have done that are doing it right is they've created a balance. Now, Amazon understands their balance. It's heavily weighted to automation and digital. 
However, when you need to talk to somebody, it can happen. There are other companies that know that maybe they're in financial services, maybe they're in healthcare. Your questions might be more personalized uh, or you may need a more personalized answer. And you could try to get that experience online, but you just feel better about being able to quickly jump to uh, talking to somebody. And I love the systems that work it out where if you're on, uh, like this is my favorite. And by the way, Amazon does something like this. If I'm online and I'm interacting with a chat bot, which means it's artificial intelligence uh, interacting with me, I'm typing a question, their answers are coming back. And if I'm not getting the answer I want, the chat bot can detect that and says, you need to talk to a human. And a human jumps in to replace the chat box. Excuse me, chat box. <laughs> the chat bot. You're typing in a box that is a chat bot. All right. But what happens even better is if it says, we need to jump on the phone, can I call you at this number or give me a number that I can call you? And then you may get a phone call and that person says, okay, let's pick up where we are just left off. It's a seamless transition. And it really is beautiful when that happens. So I suppose just as we approach kind of wrap up, I just wanted to ask, what's next, Shep? You know, you have this book out. Do you have any other plans or projects for the rest of the year coming into next year? Well, I have um, this report that I create every year. Uh, I've done it now. I say every year. I've done it two years in a row. And we're going to do the third year. It's called the 2021 ACA Report. ACA stands for Achieving Customer Amazement. And this is my consumer study. And this is available to everyone. All you've got to do is go to my website, hiking.com. And when you get it, you'll subscribe to my newsletter, but it will automatically take you to a place where you can download this report for free. The newsletter, by the way, is free. My goal is let's give away as much good information as possible. So you're welcome to share the link, hiking.com with everybody, put it in the show notes. And again, there's no, you're not going to get a sales pitch or anything. It's, it's a great report. <laughs> this year's study... I'll just give you, you know, obviously we, we talk about the highlights, 83% of customers switch because of bad customer service. How many stay because of good customer service? How many chances do they give you? Mm. I have a little section in there about reviews. I was surprised how few reviews are actually left, which uh, I think what it is, is that the people that leave reviews are really, you know, they're, they're oh, they may leave 20 a year. And there's so many people, yeah, I might leave one or two. And there's mm. more people that leave one or two than leave 20. So, you know, the average is like, you know, four point something percent of people. I really love seeing that most people leave positive reviews versus negative reviews. I asked a bunch of interesting questions, such as, would you rather go to the dentist or call customer support? And 48% <laughs> of Americans would rather go to the dentist. Uh, here's a great one. 56% would be more interested in dating someone if they delivered an excellent customer service experience. <laughs> so, and what really excited me is that 38% think the government delivers great customer service. Wow. Well, good for them. So yeah. the government. <laughs> but that's that's a cool project that we're doing every year. And it takes a lot of time to do that. Believe it or not, mm. it's it's a, it takes me a month to write the report after we spend a ton of time coming up with the right questions. I'm also probably going to release a book. It might even come out uh, late next year in time for the holidays. It is, uh, I'm going to, I haven't really shared this with many people, but it's titled Fine is the F-bomb of customer service. It's a four-letter word. It starts with F and, <laughs> and fine means what? Uh, it's really not fine is what fine means. But what I created every week, I do cartoons. 
and I put them in my newsletter. And I've written, I don't know, I've written hundreds and hundreds of columns, probably seven, 800 columns, but I've been doing cartoons for the last 400 of them. Wow. And I, yeah, so every week, and what I'm doing is I'm getting 52 of my favorites and I'm taking the column and shortening it to just a, a paragraph or two as a short lesson. And that way on a weekly basis, whoever gets the book can share the cartoon with their team and share the lesson. And it's going to be a fun one. Uh, so I actually have picked out the cartoons. Now I just have to start writing the lessons. But I want to get through this next book. I just finished. Uh, you know, I'll be back. Give me a month or two to breathe. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, fair enough. Um, well, this series, you know, it's all about hearing how companies, you know, scale their growth. But before we just finish up, I'd love to know what was a key event in your career that helped you scale professionally? Wow. Um, there's so many things that happened. I would say, so I've been in business about, 38 years now. And I, I, I think there's different milestones that I had. And it, and when it, what happened is I realized why those milestones happened. This is really important. So I went to a program called the strategic coach, and I probably did that about 17, 18 years into my career. And what it did, it said from the very beginning of your career, look at all the different milestones. So when did I go to the next level? And I remember one of the things I did is I hired my first employee. I was doing it all myself as a solo entrepreneur. But as soon as I hired my first employee, all of a sudden I could start focusing on clients while they started focusing on the administrative and every other part that really mm. wasn't client focused. And all of a sudden business jumped. There was a certain type of client that I didn't realize. I had a pattern of this type of client that booked me to speak at events more than my other clients did. And boy, that recognition was great. So there's these milestones. So the strategic coach, and if you go to strategiccoach.com, you can learn about Dan Sullivan and strategic coach. Tell them Shep sent you. And <laughs> I don't get anything for it, but it's just they love to know that I love them. And this was one of the exercises. And actually, at the end of my first year of strategic coach, they zinged this exercise on it. And I said, my God, this was amazing. Because I identified maybe a half a dozen major milestones that took me to the next level. And I said, if this is the kind of exercise they're going to make me do on a pretty regular basis, I'm staying in. <laughs> so, but that was a real important thing that happened is the recognition that success wasn't happening by accident yeah. um, and to recognize when these opportunities were. And then lastly, you mentioned it there with your, your website address, but I was just going to ask, where can our listeners go to kind of keep up with you and your work? Yeah, well, well hiking.com is great. Obviously, we'd love for you to buy the book. I'll be back. That would be awesome. If you go to Amazon, uh, make sure if you type in I'll be back, you add the word book because there's otherwise there's lots of uh, I'll be back uh, political <laughs> type of messages and information <laughs> that's available to buy. We won't get into what's happening over here in US politics, but I'll be back. How to get your customers to come back and get it again. But if you go to hiking.com and you go to my YouTube channel, which is sheptv.com, there's everything that I write about, you know, in my newsletters, I typically make videos about. So you can show your team free videos on great lessons on customer service. There's hundreds of those. And so that's how you keep up with me. Brilliant. Well, Shep, thank you so much for coming back. It is my pleasure. And you know what? I hope that I get to come back again. So I'll just <laughs> put it out there. I'll be back. <laughs> Thanks, Shep. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Shep Hyken. 
If you did, we'd love you to give us a review. It helps like-minded people find their way to our content. We'll be back next week with another great episode of Scale by Intercom for you. We do hope you'll join us.